Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. Well, it's a really strange thing to, to say, I've really enjoyed my own teachings. <laughs> Sounds very arrogant, so you don't really say it. But I've enjoyed, let me put it this way, I've enjoyed the study of it because I'm, I'm learning things that I think I saw there before, but how God's pressing it into my heart right now is, uh, is extreme, for this time of my life, is very meaningful. And, uh, and I've been able to grasp some things that I wondered about in my, in my past walk with God and that he's emphasizing now, you know, this, some of the things that we learned in the past are, they are just completely right and true. And then some of the things I learned in the past have a nuance in them that I think Paul would have gone, uh-uh, no, don't go down that road. Now, that may not be true for you. It's what's going on for me. Things that I uh, adamantly embraced at one time, I kind of go, huh, and then the Holy Spirit was kind of speaking to me on the way in this morning as I was singing some, some old worship songs, and I want to say this, it's all part of it. It's all a journey, and I don't know, I don't know about your life, but I've got lots of things wrong in my life in the past and things that I thought, even priorities of what I thought was important and how I thought I should do something and how I thought others should do things, um, especially. Um, But it's been meaningful to me to go through um, the passage of scripture we've had, and I'm going to pick up. So if you're new and we're here, I'm sorry, but we're going to pick up right where we were at uh, regarding the issue of uh, in Second Peter, P- Peter urges us to add certain things to our faith, and that when we do that, and, and it's found in Second Peter chapter one verse five, when we do that, that there's a promise from God that gets fulfilled in our lives, and so we're learning what each addition was, and right now we're on the addition of godliness, which is just really you know how do you you know do you, you take a cup of sugar and pour it over your head what you know how do you add godliness you know I either am or I'm not he doesn't grade on the curve um, but there is the issue of what godliness really looks like and that's what we were exploring and so for me it came out in three things and the first one was being able to use discernment uh, what is godliness and what does that look like in our life and I want to say again uh, Discernment for a Christian always leads to godliness. Always. Doesn't lead us away. If you're discerning things, it leads you towards godliness, not away from godliness. Um, Because of our spirituality. He who's joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. So God always leads us, it says, in triumph. He leads us down the road of going, you know, that's how it should be. Now that's important because it's not just about right or wrong. Um, Do you know non-Christians 
can know the difference between right and wrong. You don't have to be a Christian to know that. Um, how, how so? The law tells us what's right or wrong. That's why one of the reasons God gave the law, not just the law of Moses, but the all law, all moral law under God. And so you don't have to believe, be a believer, or you can be a believer that's totally dependent just on the law. That's not a very fun way to live, and you'll find that it's very uh, taxing on the soul. But as the law tells us that, here, that's right at the point where discernment and godliness play into each other. It's where discernment guides and keeps us reflecting the godly image of Christ in us because that's what true godliness is. Godliness is Christ in you. God is not, godliness is not something you bring to Christ. Godliness is something you receive from Christ. It's a big difference because it, it, it determines things in our lives. It determines nuances and a sharp discernment can come into our life. Um, it also has to deal with being able to discern when something is off and it's a temptation uh, of sin. And he warns, uh, Paul warns in in. Timothy throughout first and second Timothy he warns to shy away from things that appear right but are not based in true godliness we're seeing that at work in society today over how we define things describe things uh, you know it goes back to the, maybe the old rock song is that what love is uh, what is love and how does it look? And so it takes discernment to go, that's what's true. And so last week I put up, uh, I'm going to jump ahead and do this. I put up this slide, which this is from Spurgeon's life and a quote from him. But he said that discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. It's knowing the difference between right and almost right. Because something can have an appearance of godliness and not be right. Especially in when we get into areas like when we describe what love is. And how, and then, well, love means to be tolerant of everything. No, it doesn't. That's not completely right. There's things that love doesn't tolerate. In God, in God's love, there's things that it goes, nope, that's not, I don't tolerate that. And so we get caught by these things and they work on our, on our uh, soul and emotions. So I want to go back. This is what Paul writes to Timothy. It's really interesting, but most of the explaining of godliness happens in this letter of Paul to Timothy. Almost all of it. If you use a word search over godliness, it lands in this chapter. So I want to be mindful to really look at it. So he says, you will be doing your duty as Christ's minister. Remember who he's writing to. Timothy was his beloved son in the spirit. Okay, a young, young man that Paul was mindful of that God had chosen, this is going to be really strange, to lead and minister to the churches that Paul had planted. 
Can you imagine? I mean, you got to go appeal back and go back to that day and see why he's writing this. Um, some say Timothy may have been as early in his 20s. Some th- say 30s. Nobody says a teenager. But he, had, he got chosen by God, just like Paul got chosen by God, to carry the burden of this. So he's writing to Timothy over what, how he should lead the church. And he says, you will be doing your duty as Christ's minister if you remind your church member of these things, the false teachings. And they're all listed. You can look them up later, earlier in the chapter. And you will show yourself as one who owes his strength to the truth of the faith he's absorbed. Don't you love that word? To the faith he has absorbed and the sound teaching he has followed. But steer clear of all these stupid, godless fictions. Uh, By the way, this is the Phillips translation, and he doesn't hold back. Uh, By the way, we still have those. You and I have been around these. Now, hopefully, I haven't taught any of them to you. But I've I've sat under teachings and went, "Uh uh-uh. There's no way. So he says clear of all these stupid godless fictions. Take time and trouble to keep yourself spiritually fit. Bodily fitness has a certain value, but spiritual fitness is essential both for this present life and for the life to come. Paul's saying, look, this is also where this issue of I I understood who Jesus is and I had discernment, not just between right and wrong, but right and almost right. And he says, that's going to help you in eternity. How? I don't know. I don't have an answer, but he said it does. And so there must be something there that as we exercise our godliness here, it affects the godliness to come. Isn't that amazing? Does it all hinge on that? Well, godliness hinges on Jesus and the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. So, yes. There is no doubt about this at all. And Christians should remember it. It is because we realize the paramount importance of the spiritual that we labor and struggle. We place our whole confidence in the living God the Savior of all men, and particularly of those who believe in him. These convictions should be the basis of your instruction or teaching. And that's where I started when I said to you, I've really enjoyed these teachings. Because that basis of teaching, I went, oh my gosh, and, uh, and I don't know where you're at, but I've often thought to myself, oh man, if I could have had this 25 years ago. If I could have got a couple of points of understanding, but it's all a journey. You don't have time to maintain regrets. God's getting it to you now. Be thankful. And uh, I can't, and neither can you, go and undo what was. Uh, But I can live through what is, and I can carry it into what shall be. And that is really significant. So if this is true, and I believe that Spurgeon was on to something here, then this is the other thing that uh, Paul had to say to Timothy. He said, this sort of thing you should teach, the godliness. 
And if anyone tries to teach some doctrinal novelty which is not compatible with sound teaching, which we base on Christ's own words and which leads to Christ-like living, then he is a conceited idiot. Again, this is the Phillips translation. E.B. Phillips did not mince any words. That's what he saw it saying in the Greek. That's how strong that Paul was communicating to this to his beloved son. His mind is a morbid jumble of disputation and arguments. That means he disputes everything. Things which lead to nothing but jealousy, quarreling, insults, and malicious innuendos, continually wrangling. In fact, among men of warped minds who have lost their real hold on the truth, but hope to make some profit out of the Christian religion. Now, judgmental Lloyd can package that all up and say who it was, and I'm not going to do that. Because I'm sure that all my judgments were not right and true, that I was seeing things that I did not completely understand, and so I have to hold those loosely. She says, there is a real profit, of course, but it comes only to those who live contentedly as God would have them live. To live in the contentment. So he says, godliness with contentment is great gain, is the way the old King James and New King James says it. We, we have this... When I have godliness in my life, when I'm adding it on a continual basis, and how does that happen? Well, it comes down to the next thing. Before we go there, I will tell you this. Discernment tells us, before it tells us what godliness is, discernment tells us what godliness is not. And that's why I said the judgmental thing. It is not, and this is another thing, godliness is not a goal. It's not something we're going after. It's not something that I aspire to. It's who I am in Christ. I am a godly man. That's not wrong to say. And not only is it aspirational, but if I'm, uh, as we used to say, if I'm walking the talk, then godliness is evident. And the first person it needs to be evident to is who? Me. Inside my own heart. Uh, It's not to be used to promote myself, however, nor as a badge or a statement of religion. Because that's where, when we start wearing it as something it's not, then you're inviting others to throw things at it. And you're also inviting them to make a judgment. Non-believers, do they have the authority to judge me? No, only God has the authority to judge me. But they will. They will judge your life as you live it out. If they know you're a believer, they are looking and watching. They should. That's what we want. We want them to see godliness in us. We want them to know that God is at work in my life. 
it's, it's a way of, instead of doing an evangelistic campaign, Jesus said, they'll know you by your love for one another. If we're not doing that well, <laughs> this idea of we don't have to equate it to godliness or ungodliness, guess what? They will, whoever they are, but the unbelieving world looks at us and makes an evaluation. So that brings up the second central theme you have to, that you have, you must look at this with godliness. It's authenticity. And how authenticity and godliness go hand in hand together. So authentic means worthy of acceptance or belief as conforming to or based on fact. Conforming to an original, ooh, there's a key, so as to reproduce essential features of the original. Uh, it's made or done the same way. It's not false or an imitation. There's lots of synonyms here. I was teasing the, the, uh, the family whose name is Bonafide because that's a reflection of this. And that name got passed on to you someplace through the generations, which is, in, you know, it's phenomenal. Uh, you know, we go back to, oh, brother, where art thou, if you've seen that movie, and the whole thing about how he's living his life, and his kids come up and go, Mama say you're not bonafide. You're not the real deal. It's not authentic. Well, how you're doing this isn't authentic. It, it's, it's, uh, it's not in place. It's not genuine. And that's a key word. We'll look at it more later. So if someone is genuinely godly, it becomes authentic in their life. And it can be authenticated by what others see and what they know of them. Um, Paul, again, writing to Timothy, he says, You, O man of God, flee these things. So he listed out a whole list of things that are ungodly. And pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, to which you were also called, and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Paul's urging, urging Timothy to be a godly person and to have godliness in his life. Look at these. Uh, next, here's to Phillips in that same passage from 1 Timothy 6. But you, the man of God, I, I love the way that's said. It's how young men should be referred to. But you, the man of God, Keep clear of such things. Set your heart not on riches, but on goodness. Christ's likeness, faith, love, patience, and humility. Fight the worthwhile battle of the faith. Keep your grip on that life eternal to which you've been called and to which you boldly professed your loyalty to before many witnesses. Godliness is a reflection of the loyalty that we feel in our faith towards God. It's what comes out in us. It's what affects us in every aspect. Um, it's actually connected to what God has done in my life. Now, is God doing things? Yes. Is God going to do more things? Yes. 
But he's also already done things. And you find it in Romans 8. You can reflect godliness when you believe Romans 8. So do you believe Romans 8? Now this we often cut off, cut off from part A and part B over what Paul's trying to say here. And we just use verse 28 when somebody's going through something that's difficult. But it's way more than that. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. To those who are called according to his purpose. So we like to use that one. We cherry pick it. And we go, oh, here right now because you're going through something. You know, God, God's going to work this out. Read the rest. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Let me put it in the language that we've been using. To be a genuine believer. God did this. He also predestined to be conformed. It's, it's set. Now, in some ways, it's rigged. This whole thing, this life's rigged. Guess what? You win. So people, when I'm, a, when I'm checking out, I do this quite a bit, only when I'm alone. But I go through the line, they'll check out, and, you know, and they always say, you know, how are you doing? And I'll go, great, incredible. I said, I won. And they just look at me like, what? I said, I read the book. I said, I win. And uh, they do one of those numbers. I'm always waiting for a door to open up to talk to them more about it. I said, yeah, all you have to do is keep your eyes on the last chapter. One, I'm welcomed in because it tells me I was welcomed in from the from the beginning. It was predestined for me. It's predestined for you. How much so? Keep reading. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover. Whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Yeah, me. I'm a godly man. Because he did it. It was him at work. I couldn't get there on my own. I could add all kinds of morality and look like something. But it was he that did it in me. Most believers struggle with just the issue of being called. Let alone the fact that it's been predestined that they're justified. It's so hard to stand as a justified person. Because we've listened to wrong teachings. I'm justified. How do you know that? Because he rose from the dead. Because that's what the scripture says. He was raised for our justification. Oh my gosh. I can already dance on the streets that are golden and not be there yet. Because I've been justified. And God doesn't just see me as justified. He sees me as glorified. If I believe that, that godliness starts getting reflected in how I live my life. It affects me. I discern it spiritually and I go, yep, that's who I am. 
So what effect can it have on it? Well, it has this effect. If it's authentic in my life, this truth found in Romans 8 starts affecting my feet where I walk. Starts affecting my hands, what I touch and handle. Starts affecting my nose, what I smell, and what smells lovely and what doesn't. My eyes, what I look upon and what I go, no, no, what I hear, what I listen to, what I think about, my heart, what I feel. And it leads me into godliness. And I can put it on, I put Christ on like a, like a beautiful, like a beautiful cloak that it is. And it's, it's mystical, it's a, it's a journey, it's a mystery. I'm in Christ and Christ is in me. Just like Jesus said, I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. You are in Christ. He said, in the same way, they will be in me and I will be in them. In the same way. If we start believing that, we become godly people. And godliness oozes out of everything that we do and say. I want to be holy. Let the Holy Spirit start working through you. Let him live his life as you. Not just through you. Let him live his life as you. The Holy Spirit, through Kirk. Wow. Now let me tell you, that's godliness. I can't always define it for you, but I can describe what a believer who's godly looks like. It's just there all the time. And that's fantastic that he would so do this that I can embrace this for my life. What it is is we're, we get stubborn in our unbelief. Our unbelief isn't about the world leading us someplace. Our unbelief is the stubbornness in our heads to receive the true gospel. They're, they're, we get a stubborn place. Well, I haven't seen that. We start making statements like that. And this is what Phillips would say. Stop it. That's idiocy. To deny what God has done is foolishness for the believer. It's false teaching. That's what he was actually warning Timothy about. He said, stay away from that. That's not true. Embrace this kind of truth. I hope this is... Uh, if I'm stepping on your toes, you have a command of God to forgive. So... Inauthenticity, our behavior and character starts following the truth of the gospel at work in my life. I know it through my own conscience and humility, and others know it because it's what I become known for. I'm a godly person. I will never live out of what I don't believe to be true about the gospel and what it has done and is doing and will do. When it is Christ living in me, it takes on an authenticity and becomes evidence then in my lifestyle, my choices, my pattern of living. I get to be known as we all really want uh, as a Christian. It's another passage. Actually, two of them. Colossians 3. But now you yourselves are to put off all these. See, there's, a, there's something to go, nope, in, in 
discernment and understanding godliness. Godliness puts off this. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you've put off the old man with his deeds. And it put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all in all. Amen. Wow. So, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 2 about this. He says, now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. He will always lead you to be godly. The Holy Spirit will never lead you away from godliness because he's the spirit of truth. That's what Jesus actually called him. Now, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. If I'm authentic, I smell different. I smell different than an unbeliever. I'm supposed to. And that doesn't mean that I have a bumper sticker that says I'm not perfect, just forgiven. Scrape that thing off your, and I'll take you to Romans 7, why you should scrape that off your bumper. Because that, that's just a slap. That doesn't smell good. But when I'm living authentically in, in true godliness, I have a fragrance. It's the fragrance of Christ. People can sense it even if they don't have that great a discernment. Think of you walking through your life. You go to Walmart or whatever, and just all of a sudden, somebody that you interact with, and you go, they're a believer. You have that? That's called discernment. How did you discern them? They had a fragrance. Yep, know what that is. You ever drive through Iowa? Come on, Jim. You ever drive through Iowa? Well, Iowa has these things called hog farms. <laughs> or a turkey farm. It doesn't take a lot of discernment to smell that stuff. It doesn't smell very good. A non-believer picks up on that in a believer when they say there's something and they don't smell right. It doesn't smell right to them. He says, that's not true of you. Live in union with Christ and you will smell like Christ. And that's what this idea of adding godliness does to us. And he says, for we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, we are the aroma of death leading to death. To the other, the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not as so many peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, authenticity. But as from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. We talked about this earlier. I'm not a Christian just at church, not a Christian just at home. I'm a Christian at all times, no matter where I go and what I'm doing. But that also determines and decides where I go and what I do. 
And I am sent, that's why it's so important to understand the called being knit with the, the idea of being justified. You're sent out into this world. For what? To diffuse the knowledge of the fragrance of Christ. We must smell good. And therefore it must be authentic. Otherwise the charge of hypocrisy gets laid at us over and over and over again. Now sometimes it's unjust. It's not, it's not right in the sense of being able to right and almost right. But there are times that the charge of hypocrisy is because we didn't smell right. And they could discern it. It didn't have the, if you will, the signature of Jesus over our lives. Let me, my hand, let me close with this. And then we're going to, we're going to look at the at the third aspect of this, but I want to I want to make sure there's there's something that gets covered here this morning. It's really important. I'm sorry that's showing up so why it's not bright. Take down the the if you're doing notes, take down the passage of those scriptures and you read them later. But let me just say this. The authenticity of godliness is a reflection of who God is, not who you are. It is a reflection of your relationship to God through the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. That's what these passages are talking about. It's not me doing it. It's Christ in me, showing it, revealing it. God wants to reveal who you are. Remember Romans 8. It's the revealing of the son. He calls it the sons of God, but sons and daughters of God being revealed that that's what's going on in the earth. Why is it? Where is he coming back when he's supposed to? When he's ready to? When the days are complete and the fullness of time comes? In the meantime, he is working in us to reveal who he is to this world, to a hurt and dying world, and that's done through godliness. How can they see? How can they know? Unless they're able to look. Oh, here's another one. This isn't coming in clearly. This is from The Chosen, and I love it. It's, it's a clip. It's two things that happened in season two. And I can't remember which character is saying this, but it's a group of the people that have been that he chose to come walk with him. If you haven't watched watched the chosen before, and they're speaking with one another, and in the top panel it says, "I don't think he's waiting for us to be holy." And the bottom clip says this: "I think he's here because we can't be holy without him." That's authenticity. Jesus came into my life not because I was holy or that I'm achieving something. He came into my life because I couldn't be holy without him. No one can. So when it says to pursue holiness, it doesn't mean to pursue a course of action. It means to run into the arms of your Savior. God is holiness. God is godliness. And the more we hang on to him, the more it's reflected in us and through us. So really, to add godliness sounds like a moral edict, but it's not. 
It means to increase your relationship. How do I do that? Draw near to God. How do I do that? I don't know. It could lead you in a lot of different ways to draw near to God. Sometimes drawing near to God means putting something aside. Whatever is hindering you, whatever is the thing that messes you up and you can't get through, put it aside. I, I just can't do it. Yeah, you can. He'll empower you. Get others to help you. Get other people that you trust in godliness that will do it in kindness and help. But you can put things aside to pursue. Sometimes it doesn't mean to stop doing something. It means to initiate something. It means to add this in your life. Um, most believers that I've talked to through the years, always, when I say how you're doing, by the way, I quit kind of asking that question because I can tell them how they're doing. In Christ, you're doing incredible. You're doing so phenomenal. <laughs> you're, you're complete. You lack nothing. Remember that the word of God in most of the New Testament, and this is an error that got taught, we saw it as a prescription and not a description. So when Paul writes all these things about who you are, he's describing you through Christ. He's not prescribing to you something you have to do to be like Christ. He's saying, you were once this, you're now this. You were once darkness, you're now light. If we started really believing that and adding that into our lives, you're adding godliness. It just shines in your heart. There's such a difference about you. You're, you're the fragrance. If you thought of yourself this week as you go out, if you thought of yourself, I'm the fragrance of Christ. I am the fragrance of Christ. Every place I go, I'm the fragrance of Christ. I smell good. I smell just like Jesus. I look like Jesus. I act like Jesus. He's living his life through me to touch other people. If faith kisses that, our lives change. And you know, like Paul said to Timothy, lay those other things aside. You know, he does everything from all the kinds of behaviors that we see from, from of what's wrong. You know, from perversion to, to excess to you name it. He says, Get, flee that and come in and embrace godliness. You'll smell just the way Jesus smells you. I want Jesus to go with me. I want him to go, oh, I love that kid. And he just gets a good whiff of me every day and goes, yep. Without even using his eyes, he knows who I am because I smell just like him. You know, so there's my kid. There's my buddy. Hey, you want to do something fun today? Let's go. You get to do that. That's why these teachings have been so important to me because it's, it's instead of a, oh, quit, it's a, oh, let's go. Let's do this. And, it, and it's my hand in his and his hand covering mine all the time. He'll lead you into triumph. Do you believe that? He'll lead you into triumph. Do you believe that? He'll lead you 
into triumph. Do you believe that? He has no intention of leading you to a place of defeat. Why on earth would he do that? He's already defeated the foe. He's not going to lead you to defeat. If I try this, I'm going to fail. You might make a mistake. And then you get to learn more. But you're not, gonna, you're not destined for failure. I read the book. I win. I read the book. You win. That's what I believe about you. You win. You really do. Let me pray. God, our Father, through Jesus we win. You've made us the winner, not the loser. I'm not second place Sally or third place Henry. I'm, I've won. You've won my heart. You've won my life. You've won who I am. And I want to be genuine and godly. Lord, let me be a fragrance this week. Lord, let it be diffused through the knowledge of who you are. Show me something new about who you are. Show me something new about me, who I am. Reveal it to me. I open up my heart to you right now. Reveal it to me, God. And you will be the genuine, real deal in my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Lord, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.